This is Sergio with Fighter Path MMA. I'm really, really excited. Uh, I am joined by Michael Chavello, who's the play-by-play -play commentator for 1FC, among many other things. But uh, but I guess that's what we're speaking on today. So first things first, man, how are you doing? Hey, Sergio. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Good to be here. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time to uh, to speak with me. So, man, this the world right now is in a really, really weird predicament here with the pandemic and everything like that. So how have you been the past uh, couple of years with everything that's going on in the world? Well, there's been a lot of changes to what we were, were used to beforehand and, uh, you know, still changes going on all the time. But we're adjusting. We're getting used to it. And, um, you know, I guess we're just going to try and look forward to a time where we can get back to some sort of normality. I think it's still going to be a while. I'm talking to you from Melbourne, Australia, where we're just at the tail end of a, yet another lockdown. Um, but things are moving forward, and uh, it's exciting to see that the world is starting to open up again. I'm <coughs> watching the European Championships, which is, you know, getting great crowds in at the football games over in Europe, around various countries as well. So it's good to see the world slowly but surely starting to open back up. In terms of, you know, potentially having sports in Australia, is that something you can foresee happening anytime soon, whether it be MMA or soccer or any other sports? Well, the sports are, all, are already full, full steam here in Australia. I mean, before this lockdown in Melbourne two weeks ago, we were getting, you know, um, near capacity crowds to get at our football games. Uh, currently, they're being played interstate at capacity audiences, 50,000, 60,000 people. So a lot of sports are still in full swings, but when cities particularly go into a lockdown, then the sports move interstate. But certainly it's not nationwide. It's only when, when one city gets locked down, the sports events either get postponed or they get moved interstate. And then on to, uh, on to your career. I mean, it's you're still relatively young in terms of, you know, the, the role you have. But uh, 30 years as a broadcaster, does that blow your mind that you've been doing this for 30 years? It, it kind of does, you know, I think more so when I read comments from people on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram saying, oh, Chevello, I grew up with you. You know, it's like that that's a, a hard realization to accept sometimes that this person was watching you commentate, you know, K1 back in the early 2000s, was watching you on, on kickboxing in, in, in the mid 90s when they were 10 years old. And, you know, now they're 30 years old and they're like, I grew up with you. And that's that's. That freaks me out a little bit because it's like, wow, you know, I'm 46 now and I don't think of myself as being older. And um, but I guess looking back, I've, I've been around for a for a long time because I started uh, fight commentary in 1994. Uh, so, yeah, it has, has been a, a long time. But, you know, I still bring that 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 fervor, that energy, that passion that I always have ever since I was uh, first broadcasting it as a 20 year old. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people love about you is, is the passion you have for the sport. Where did you end up developing that passion for, for mixed martial arts? You know, it's just a natural passion. I've always had it for everything I've done in my life. When I've enjoyed something and committed to something, I'm very passionate about it, no matter what it is, whether it's doing something with my children, whether it's doing something for my home, whether it's you know, writing a book, writing an article, whether it's commentating a fight event, hosting a TV show, whatever it may be. I tackle things with a lot of passion. And I think it's one of the reasons why I've gotten to where I have to. And I've been in the business for so long and so successfully is because I have this passionate attitude. No matter what I've commentated over the years, from the Commonwealth Games to the Olympic Games to Ultima Lucha to Dynamite to K1, Dreams, Sengoku, uh, regional shows on Access TV, now one championship. 
I've always brought that passion. And I, I think that as a commentator, if you're passionate about what you're calling, your audience is going to be passionate about it too. And uh, that's not to say, you know, uh, to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. If it's a, a lackluster contest, call it as you see it. But, uh, you know, this is one of the most exciting sports in the world, mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, kickboxing. So how can you not get passionate about it? And if you're covering this sport and you're not passionate about it, you shouldn't be covering this sport. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, and, and it's one of those sports, like, I've been watching since, I don't know, I'm, I'm only 25, but I've been watching it since I was, like, 15, 16, 10 years. And every fight, I'm just as excited as I was that very first one. It never gets old. There's always something new. Do you agree with that? I mean, you've done this for 30 years. I'm sure you've seen, you know, lots of knockouts, lots of submissions, but yet you still bring that same passion. Well, I think that's the beauty of the job, Sergio, is that, Every time I go to work, I do not know what will happen. And I thank God every day because I'm truly blessed that I'm, I'm in a job where I just, you know, I've got the best seats in the house. I'm working with an amazing crew. I'm traveling around the world. Uh, I'm doing something I love. I'm getting the instant gratification of, of, of broadcasting to over 150 countries and, and, and responding to people on social media who are watching this on TV and enjoying it. And it's, it's a very unique position. And every time I see something new, I mean, no two shows, no two fights, no two rounds are ever the same. So I go to a show in Singapore, I rock up, I don't know what I'm going to expect. And I'm seeing a story unfold before my eyes. And I'm the narrator of that story. And it's a, it's a great position to be in. This past year, I mean, I'm over in Canada. So this past year for me was, was amazing because I feel like I've gotten exposed to one. I mean, I've watched clips and everything before and I've watched fights but it tended to be you know months or a year later it never was uh really at the time um this past year one's done a great job of making sure that you know the North American market um has access to these fights assess uh when you look back at 2020 and 2021 how do you assess it uh, a lot of challenges that we had but I think we overcame the challenges very well at my championship starting when the pandemic hit in you know march april of, of 2020 when things got really serious and instead of shutting shop we were the first sports organization especially the first in asia but i'm pretty sure the first worldwide to try a closed door event i believe we did it on february 18 or february 28 2020 so right at the start of the pandemic and it was a success tv wise logistically uh with the, the you know the safety precautions we had in place as well and after we did that at one championship, we then saw every major sports organization in the world go on and do it themselves. NFL, NBA, NHL, um, EPL, Serie A, everyone did closed door events, boxing, uh, wrestling, of course, WWE. And we were the real litmus test for a lot of organizations worldwide who saw it and said, well, if one can do it to a global audience with the commentary, with the production, empty arena to over 150 countries, maybe we can do it too. So I was very proud to be involved in that. And I think that we've, you know, we, we, we're seeing tremendously high social media imprints over the last, uh, you know, 12 to 18 months. Our, our, we, we're the most, uh, I think we're the fourth most watched sports media property on the planet, according to both Tubular Data and to Nielsen, which is huge. You know, so even during these lockdowns, so many people have been watching our product on YouTube, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. 
where we are constantly putting content out there, um, more so than any other fight organization on the planet. And I'm proud to be a part of that too. Uh, we've done so many great shows, uh, you know, including the TNT series, which is a big, a big boon for us, a history-making series, um, to doing the, the shows we did out of Thailand, the shows we've been doing out of Singapore. So I think we've handled uh, th this whole pandemic situation as a company, as an organization very well, and really tried to give our fans as much as we can uh, during what's been a very challenging time. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, I one of the things that I think that the, the North American market got exposed to that we really maybe haven't seen is is some kickboxing fights. You know, whether it was Jackie Buntine or uh, Nikki Holskin, there were some kickboxing fights on those TNT events. Was that kind of the purpose of it as well? Just throwing, you know, a kickboxing fight on on the card just to, to see how it would uh, how it would do? Well, we've been putting kickboxing and Muay Thai fights in our cards since we launched the One Super Series in uh what was it 2018 i think it was 2019 um so we've been doing them for a while but for the american audience we knew that kickboxing and muay thai is not really mainstream over there although they are the most exciting striking sports on the planet particularly muay thai which is why we wanted to put the most dynamic striker in the world rod tongue on our card against you know mini t daniel williams that he produced one of the greatest fights of that entire series it was it was amazing at uh, janet todd on there as well wayne Parnicky holdskin as you said so we put some of our real marquee guys and girls on those tnt shows to expose the u.s audience to one super series striking and let them know what is a, what was what it was about so in the future we can expose that market even more to these amazing strikers in muay thai and kickboxing that we have and we really do have the best kickboxers and muay thai fighters on the planet are all signed to one super series you know with the exception of of, of, of a couple of guys um you know we really have got the best roster yeah, I 100% agree. And there's one fighter on your on your MMA roster that I want to talk about. Uh, being Canadian, I have to talk about it. Arjun Bueller, he he went on and, and, and performed incredibly against Brandon Vera. Do you really feel like this guy could become a, a, a huge superstar, uh, not only in Canada, but also India? Um, just the fact that he's got that, uh, I guess, dual citizenship or multi he, he, he belongs to, to both countries? I, I really do think so. The thing about Arjun has got so much going for him. A, he's a tremendous fighter. You know, got that, that Kushti background, that Indian wrestling background, a Commonwealth wrestling champion, the big mace over the shoulder. You know, he's competed in the, the Indian Dangal events. He's won them and he's you know, king of the Dangal over there in, in, in India uh, in his younger days. And, uh, you know, and that translates also to his Canadian citizenship as well. He flies both flags equally. Even, the, the, you know, Justin Trudeau, you know, yep. tweeting out on social media, that that's massive. I mean, that just doesn't happen. I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain of times when a, a, a leader of a country has tweeted at any fight. I know that Donald Trump um, maybe once or twice about UFC. Um, mm -hmm. I know he invited like Colby Covington to, to the White House, but for like Trudeau, I mean, it's unexpected. So to have yep. those eyes on Arjun Bula and his success, about you know defeating Brandon Vera, becoming the first Indian champion, also representing Canada. The marketability of Arjun, he talks well, he interviews great, he's got personality, you know, he's a good looking guy um, who, who can sit there for hours and do golden media interviews and the media adores him. So I, I think that the future is unlimited for Arjun Buller. If he continues to train hard, continues to improve, 
I mean, he dominated Vera. Our heavyweight division is getting stacked every minute of the day. We are signing more and more guys. And really, there's some good heat competition that will keep Arjumbula very busy in his defense of that, that gold. I want to talk about that as well because you, you guys are doing some some uh, road-to-one cards all across the world. You have one in Spain. I feel like there's not enough Spanish talent in, in mixed martial arts in general on uh, on bigger promotions, but also one in the U.S., one in Serbia. Is, is the point of that to, to kind of expand, or is it also to, to develop the roster as well? Well, a couple of things. A, it's to expand the footprint of one championship. You know, we're, 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 we are Asia's largest ever sports media property but we're global i mean we're broadcast to over 150 countries and we want to get an imprint more in a lot of countries where you know we're not as mainstream as we are in asia of course so places like europe where we're going to do the, the road to one series over there in europe countries like serbia um that have great you know kickboxing pedigree and martial arts pedigree and and, and those road to ones are also to look at guys that you know, I'm knocking at the door, but because they never fought for major organizations, uh, they might not get a look in with our, with our major scouts. So if they start at a more local level, we, we, we're doing feeder programs to then be signed to the big game, to be signed to the big dance, to one championship. They've got to start somewhere. We did it with the One Warrior Series very successfully through Rich Franklin, went to various countries, mostly around Asia, and, and drafted a lot of people into one. You know, Stan Fairtex, Mark Abelardo, the list goes on. So we want to do the same with these road to one series that we're doing in Europe. We've done some in Asia. We'll do some in various places to say, hey, what talent is out there? Especially in some of those Eastern Bloc countries in Europe, what talent is there that is undiscovered that we can pluck and turn into major stars? Another European star is is, is Rainer de Redder. He's undefeated, double champion. I mean, this guy really has what it takes to, to become a global superstar. I think, especially being one of the few um, uh, title title holders from that region. Um, what does it mean to have someone like that hold dual two titles and could potentially compete for a third if you really wanted to? It's great, you know, because first of all, Arena Durita uh, is a Dutchman that doesn't rely on kickboxing, which is rare in itself. You know, he's a BJJ guy. You just don't see that from Holland. Always from Holland, Netherlands. You know, the best fighters have always been kickboxing guys. Peter Ertz, Ernesto Hoos, Remy Bajaski, Semi Schult, you know, all K1 champions. Um, and now with one Super Series, you know, guys like Nicky Holtzkin, all the Dutch guys. So to see a BJJ Dutch guy and be a two-division world champion and do so, so effectively, so dominantly over a great former champion in Onglan Sung, was incredible. Derrida, again, is a guy who's marketable. He gives great interviews. He doesn't mind playing, you know, uh, to use a wrestling term, the heel, you know, to play the bad guy angle. You know, he came and took the straps and now he's calling out the heavyweight champion. He wants all the straps. You know, he wants even the welterweight strap. He doesn't mind playing that role and he does it so well. I see big things for Renia Derrida. Um, I'm really glad to commentate his fights and uh, I, he just brings this smothering BJJ game that to me, it's very entertaining. It's very dynamic. It's really strong. It's vicious. I enjoy him, and I know a lot of people around the world do. I want to ask a, a couple more questions, and then I'll let you go. There's a lot of fighters in one that have been brought over from other uh, organizations, and uh, they're not having the success that a lot of people thought they would. You know, um, Adriano Moraes, um, Oak Rayun, he just knocked out um, uh, Eddie Alvarez. Do you think that, you know, these performances are really showing that there's really a lot of talent, not just in 1FC, but in other parts of the world? Undoubtedly. Uh, the, the, the thing is that 
um, look, let's admit it. When, when most people worldwide think MMA, they think UFC. Even yeah. these days when, when people are, oh, I meet someone new and they say, hey, what do you do for a job? And I say, I'm a sports commentator. What sport do you commentate? If I say one championship, because our footprint in Australia isn't very big, they're like, uh-huh. If I say I commentate UFC, people are like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, because UFC is what most people assume is the brand of sport that is MMA, okay? So it's just the fact that most people are going to assume UFC is MMA, but they're thinking anytime you fight in a, in a cage, it's it's mixed martial arts, they think it's all called UFC. But there are a lot of organizations outside the UFC and Bellator that have fantastic fighters. And we're seeing in one that, you know, guys have come from, from UFC that have had a rough road. Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson, both have been knocked out in one championship. You know, um, Yoshihiro Akiyama has come and has been beaten. Yushin Okami's come over and been beaten. Uh, James Nakashima, who came from from undefeated at uh, you know LFA over in, in, in the States, came and, and got beaten his last two times. You know, a lot of guys have come and gotten beaten. And it just shows that uh, if you take the blinkers off, there's a lot of good leagues, organizations out there. I, again, I, I compare it to to, um, to soccer. You know, I'm a huge soccer fan, football fan. If you just watch the English Premier League, you're mm-hmm. seeing great soccer. You're seeing what a lot of people say is the Premier League, the best league of soccer on the planet. But then don't forget, the Italian Serie A has great football as well. That's where Cristiano Ronaldo, the best player on the planet, plays. That's where Romelu Lukaku, you know, Lukaku plays, the Belgian star. And then you go to the Bundesliga, they've got great players. You go to the, the French La Liga, they've got great players. The Spanish League's got Lionel Messi and other great players. So you've got to look outside having just blinkers on. Um, I think that's more an American thing, to be honest with you. You know, Americans are so blinkered on in a lot of things they do. You know, they're not very worldly. They're very pigeonholed as a country. So most of that attitude comes from Americans. Whereas if you go outside America especially you go to Europe and around Asia, people accept that, you know, there's other sporting organizations outside what we are just used to locally or what our mainstream media is, is, is feeding us. One of the things I love most about one, and it's every time I watch a one card, I'm more and more amazed by the production. Is that something that you guys pride yourselves in and just being like one of the best in terms of production cards in all of sport, in my opinion? Definitely, hundred percent. You know, it's it's like the old. You know, you see the posters behind me, the old K one and Dynamite days. Where production level was was second to none. Um, the thing is that we are a sports media property, and as a sports media property, we are entertainment based as well. Okay, no, it's not just all about the sport. It's all about a television product because that's our main thing. We're we're broadcast to over one hundred and fifty countries, and we're on terrestrial television in so many of those countries. So it's about an entertaining product, not only inside the circle, but the whole show. And I'll tell you, you know, going to the production meetings at one, I've worked on the big organizations, you know, K1, Dynamite, Sengoku, Dream, the attention paid to every minute detail in one is like nothing I've seen before. And I'm talking, you know, you hear the stories of Vince McMahon in WWE, how he'll pay attention to every detail if a light is off a strobe light is off, if a commentator's wording is off, if a camera angle is slightly too low, Vince McMahon is on it. Well, Chachri Sichitong is the same with one. I mean, every little detail you can think of, he is watching. If he sees, you know, a, a light is exposing half an empty chair, 
in an arena of 15,000 people, he doesn't like it. You know, we have to fix that light. We have to fix that camera angle. And we have to fix the fireworks. We have to fix the, the giant screen because it's all about production, a product that we can be proud to show off on TV worldwide and also to a live audience in the stadium. Once you come to a one championship show and you're in one of those arenas, I'm telling you there's nothing else like it. I can't wait to attend one in person. Um, it's it's unbelievable on TV, and I can only imagine what it's like in the arena. Um, I know that that your broadcasting days all started with uh, a track event, a cross-country event. You look at your career so far, 30 years, you've interviewed guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Fedor Emelianenko, all, all the guys in, on, in one as well. Is there one person that stands out, the late, great Diego Maradona as well? Is there one person where you're like, I can't believe I had the opportunity to speak with that person. Quite a few. Palais, you know, um, twice got to meet Palais, got to interview him when I was only 17 years old. And to interview one of the greats of all time um, was amazing. Maradona, um, you know, to have met him, interviewed Maradona as well, uh, was just an unforgettable moment. Um, making good interviews. I think the best one I ever did was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, still a lot of people call that the greatest interview ever with any WWE star or any wrestler in history. And I'm super proud of that. And, you know, Stone Cold was super proud of that as well. And um, I urge people, if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube, watch it. Um, it, it you'll just, you'll be polarized for 52 minutes of the interview. Um, you know, Van Damme a couple of times interviewing him and you know, hosting his uh, Australian tour, his stage tour last year. Uh, in March was was fantastic as well. Uh, I've been really um, so fortunate to have met and interviewed so many people that I've enjoyed um, in sports and entertainment, and and still do. You know, it's 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 one of the great pleasures of the job. Well, thank you very very much for the time, and like it was for you to interview those people, I'm honored to have uh, been able to speak with you. I appreciate it. Been a fan for a while, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for you as well as one. Sergio, thank you so much, mate, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody. Stay true to one championship and uh, hope we get back to those uh, bigger live crowds very, very soon.